All right, glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. We got uh, Bill O'Reilly today, all things Simple Man. We have also, let's see, James O'Keefe. Yeah, you see, like, staging fake news now. And he's got some, they're taking they're taking hospital workers out of hospitals so that they can be in line so they have a better picture for television. They're orchestrating news, uh, fake news. Uh, Dr. Oz today had to reopen safely. Um, you know, I'm trying to stand back and make sense of things that will never make sense. It's impossible. Um, it's sort of like we're at a tipping point and truth and facts don't matter for those that are most, uh, let's say, married to a political ideology or philosophy. And it's almost like 100%. It's like a groupthink psychosis with the mob, the media, and all things radical, democratic, socialist party. And I'll, I'll give you a few quick examples here. There is absolutely, positively nothing that the mob and the media, almost all of them, I mean, let's be frank here, um, or the Democrats will ever say that Donald Trump did that is that that was a good idea. That was a good decision. Nothing. He'll get credit for nothing. It has been and continues to be what is a never ending cycle of 24-7 bludgeoning and bludgeoning and bludgeoning and beating and bludgeoning some more. There's not one thing that they could ever say that he did well. You know, I, I and then on the other side of this, look at New York, Michigan, and, and the way they've handled, for example, Corona, especially in New York. I mean, they, they did every single solitary thing possible that was wrong. They prepared for nothing they listened to they didn't listen to their own task force that were telling them that these things would happen and you need to prepare for them they did nothing then up until early march march 2nd through 5th here are my recommendations go out on the town comrade de blasio was saying and and cuomo saying you know we're not like we're new yorkers and i can say this arrogantly but we're we're not like those other countries and the risk is low and blah 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 i mean they got it wrong they didn't buy the ventilators they didn't prepare how does new york not prepare for a pandemic or a terror attack or or an emergency considering the odds are likely predictably it would happen like the, the health task force recommending the ventilators you know it's it it is frustrating but it doesn't matter if because up is down, down is up, you know, black is white, white is black. There's no truth that anybody is adhering to. It's all based on an agenda. It's all based on, I think, that this justification, this there's got to be some psychology to all of this, a group think psychosis, if you will, because it's pretty much all of them and the mob. And I think they might have even convinced themselves that they're right. And it goes through the Russia, Russia and the Ukraine, Ukraine and the stormy, stormy. And and it goes on and on. I mean, okay, was the travel ban a good decision in retrospect? I think it was. I I think it's it's just undeniable. It is a truth. An incalculable number of lives were saved by the president doing that and being criticized at at the time for it or the president's medical mobilization because New York had prepared for nothing building hospitals in a week 
3,000 beds, converting them into COVID, setting the Navy hospital ship to comfort, providing every ventilator that was ever needed, and then some, and all the gowns, masks, shields, and gloves that they should have had and didn't have, and respirators. He gets credit for nothing. You know, meanwhile, New York does everything wrong, and to the mob and the media, uh, you know, he liter- they literally in New York, they send the virus, people with the virus, right into nursing homes and elderly care facilities. By law, they had to take them. Now, you're ignoring the hospital beds that were built and manned by Donald Trump to do that. Now you think, no, he's a hero. Cuomo, the Blasio, I think their polling is like in the high 70s. It's like, wow. It's, it's breathtaking to me. Any lives that were saved in New York were saved by Donald Trump. Not anybody in New York media. Uh, and, and New York politics and the media just goes along with all this because they just hate Donald Trump. In other words, I've never seen a divide this bad. I just never have. And every single step of the way, you see this 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 rigid, fanatical, insane, even psychosis, rage. It's it's, it's like it's mania for them. Travel bans, you name No, we can't say that's a good thing. Quarantines, we can't say that's a good thing. Subsequent travel bans, uh, that's not a good thing. Getting all the ventilators that, that everybody in the country needed, uh, a medical mobiliz- mobilization, you don't hear one good thing from anybody. Building the hospital beds, manning the hospital beds, distributing money to displaced workers and small businesses in record time and, and even some big businesses. Nope, you get bludgeoned. Every second, every minute, every hour of every 24-hour day. This is now, these are our friends and neighbors. These, this, this is how divided this country is. It's not good on any level. You know, and the president saying yesterday, I, you know, it's like the, everything that these Democrats and the mob and the media are doing, it's everything is destructive to the country. They are not helpful in any way. They are they're dis- they are now a destructive force in in literally putting a wedge between this country. They're doing there's no constructive anything from them. They you know, they're all sitting there uh, in the in their gated communities and eating expensive ice cream. And I need trillions. I need trillions. I need trillions. Give me this. You suck. And no matter what Trump did, he doesn't get credit for anything. That was a good job there. We worked together. You get very little of that. You got it from some of the state governors, Democratic state governors, only because they needed everything. They were desperate. But then it goes away and their memories are short, uh, extremely short. You know what they're actually doing in New York now? By the way, this is a great way to say thank you. To all the hospital workers, health workers that came and volunteered and came to New York to help during this pandemic. Yeah, they have to pay New York state income tax. The governor's asked about it. Well, we're not in a position to provide any subsidies. So come risk your life. Help save the lives of New Yorkers. And by the way, thank you very much and pay your tax bill on the way home. That's pretty much that's a nice way to thank people. But that's exactly what New York is doing. I couldn't believe it. You got de Blasio. I mean, it's breathtaking to me. He did nothing. He's telling people March 2nd, go out on the town. Everything's safe. Everything's fine. Here are my recommendations 
uh, March 2nd through March 5th. What a dope. He doesn't even know where the 500 ventilators that they had were. They auctioned them off to God knows who. They had recommended nearly New York City needing nearly 10,000. He'd prepared for nothing. And this is, you know, pandemic central. If there's ever a pandemic, it's going to be in New York. He didn't do a thing. Now he's calling the president who built his hospitals, sent all the medical equipment, manned his hospitals. Now he's calling him a backstabber and a hypocrite. Wow. And saying, you're saying to New York, drop dead. Accusing the president of not having a heart or a soul. I'm like, well, he saved your backside, Mr. Mayor, because you aren't prepared for anything. As late as March 10th, you were telling people the risk is low. You had no clue what you were doing, missing in action, going for walks and parks and breaking your own rules and and going after, you know, people at, at, at a rabbi's funeral for crying out loud. And then, he, oh, and de Blasio, went, I'll give him another chance to show that he's that there's a beating heart there. What, we're going to judge the now the love of New York with Donald Trump? What, to bail out your big budget deficits and your unfunded whatevers? No, that's not going to happen. The country's not going to do it. And nor should they do it because that's what they want now. And let me be clear, the federal government cannot, must not bail out any of these big blue states. Now, what do I mean by that? Their unfunded pensions, that's their problem. Their budget deficits, that's their problem also. Their debt, that's their problem. You know, you got Gavin Newsom. He wants to give $75 million tax dollars directly to illegal immigrants. You know, the cost in New York and and California just for illegal immigrants, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. That's their choice to pay that. But that also takes away monies that would otherwise be available Rainy day funds, I think we used to call them. They don't have the money. New York wastes $750 million on a solar panel factory in upstate New York that they have to mothball. Why is government in New York ever spending money like that? $600 million on a microchip company that went mothballed too. Why are they spending money there? They could have bought medical equipment. Uh, another $90 million on a light bulb uh, uh, factory deal with a California company. That's not what government's supposed to be involved in. But again, it's rooted in this insane new Green Deal madness. Now, if it's COVID-19 related, okay, then if it's about displaced workers, small businesses, well, that's what the rest of the country's getting and they'll get it. But I am telling you that there's something deep. There's, there's a deep psychology behind all of this. And it's a little frightening when you really stare it down. Because you have to believe that Donald Trump does nothing right. You have to believe that, throw, you know, and they can do nothing wrong. Even putting COVID-19 positive patients in nursing homes, which is where like 30% of the deaths ended up happening because they were screaming, we're not prepared to have it, and leave the beds that were manned and built by Donald Trump and COVID-19 converted, leave them be. They had, they had 3,000 and they didn't use them. And, you know, you add to that every single thing. Like, for example, oh, they're all I believers, but not if the charge is against, let's see, Joe Biden. Only if it's against a conservative or a Republican. That's madness. That's hypocrisy. They care about quid pro quos 
and they impeached the president over it, but they ignored Joe. You're not getting a billion taxpayer dollars unless you fire the prosecutor investigating my zero experience son being paid millions. Son of a bee, they did it. Oh, there's nothing there. There's nothing inappropriate there. Huh? That's not what you're saying about Donald Trump. Just like, you know, Russia, Russia, none of the mob in the media, nobody, none of the Democrats were complaining about what we now know, Russian disinformation bought and paid for by Hillary Clinton. I don't hear them complaining about premeditated fraud against the FISA court. I don't hear them complaining about not having an impartial jury in the Stone case. I don't hear them complaining about the pre-dawn raids for Manafort and Stone for process crimes with CNN cameras at the Stone arrest. I don't hear them complaining about exculpatory evidence withheld uh, and constitutional rights of General Flynn uh, denied. I don't hear them complaining about what happened to Papadopoulos and his family. Uh, I don't hear them complaining about any of this. I don't they don't complain about, let's see, a, an email server, subpoenaed emails, deleted, acid washed with bleach pit and devices busted. There's no there's a double standard. And this is now what I'm saying. This is a group think psychosis. And let me tell you what it's rooted in. They will say they will do anything to get power back. They lie it's it's a breathtaking group think never ending lie machine truth is not in their vocabulary anymore media is dead truth for them is dead they think the ends justifies the means the ends being destroying donald trump taking over the country ignoring deep state abuse of power corruption and believing lies scary when you really think about it looking at a new york post story yeah de blasio and well they could say that his wife is the co-mayor have wasted 1.8 billion dollars of taxpayer money it, there's no end to this how much they waste now we're going to charge uh, uh, first responders health workers have volunteered to help new york and it's time of need yeah pay your uh, state income tax as you leave now you've got things that are really going off the rails here now, we went into a, a lot of detail yesterday about the draconian measures in Michigan by the uh, governor, who also a spectacular epic fail in that state. Uh, the, the governor that did the best was Ron DeSantis. But anyway, uh, you know, now you're looking at what happened in Dallas. We'll get into this after the news at the bottom of the hour. You got a Dallas hair salon owner held in contempt. By the way, she's just been released. Thank God. Uh, and the judge demands an apology. You either apologize to the elected officials who you disrespected by flagrantly ignoring and in one case defiling. I mean, it's so stupid orders. And she said, no, feeding my kids is not selfish. It's we're going to put her in jail for that. Texas Attorney General called for the immediate release of this poor woman. It's ridiculous. Um and there are people that it doesn't matter what we've learned, how we can open safely. They resist everything. Nothing is going to be perfect. No one, no one's perfect. But you got to try. We can't afford this. The uh, top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza, I want to remind you, Mother's Day is on Sunday. We have very limited numbers that we have allocated. My new book for when it comes out, launch week. 
bound first edition commemorative box set. Uh, I gave one to Linda's mom. Did you give it to her yet, by the way? And well, you get a beautiful gift certificate it's that a you gift give mom certificate, for Sunday. Right. So it comes August 4th and everybody Fourth. will get their copy on the 4th. But, you know, I think I think the cool thing about this this commemorative box set is that, you know, you can't get it when if you're just buying the book. You know, this is a special collection that we're putting together. Um, but especially at a time like this, Sean, I mean, you know, we're we're talking about our civil liberties and our freedoms. And, oh, yeah. You know, that's and, what's at stake. I mean, that's what's at stake. And I, I don't even know if people like, you know, you're thinking about post covid, what we're going to do next, how we're going to get back to normal. And listen, you know, I mean, everybody's asking the questions, but I think your book really has answers to some of these bigger, you know, thoughts about like, okay, where are our freedoms coming from? What are they based on? I mean, I'm hoping that you have. I some go through a whole history yeah. of this. Look, it is. This is now the tipping point. I mean, and I'm not. There's no joke here. Everything is at stake. The, in in the minds of of these people on the left, there's nothing Trump can do that's right. And if you watch like these big blue states and why they're so bankrupt. I mean, Comrade de Blasio, do you do you realize this morning he came out supporting this idiotic idea of sending COVID-19 patients back to nursing homes still? I mean, and Governor Pataki is like, what are you doing? Reverse the order. The order's not been reversed. This is madness. All the money on, you know, that they spend in New York. Oh, on solar factor panel factories that goes belly up like Solyndra or 600 microchip companies and 90 million on 600 million there, 90 million on light bulb. They all the waste in their demand. Give me more money. I'm like, what? And then if you came to help New York, then you get charged. What does that mean in the broader sense? You have two competing visions for this country. All of it is on the line in 181 days. And it's either going to be on foreign policy appeasement and, you know, massive amounts of money to people that chant death to America. But on the economic front, capitalism will be destroyed. This this is now the mainstream of this radical new Democratic Socialist Party. Biden buys in all of it. And I'm laying out what that will mean for this country. You know, right now, I would tell people, you, you can't fix New York at this point. It is, if you, if you don't want to pay all of this money for this colossal screw-up, my, my advice is, if you can, move. And, it's, and people are already doing it. They're leaving these states. But anyway, we lay it out. Live free or die. America and the world on the brink. That is not hyperbole. It is how I feel. And I wanted to lay out the definitive case anyway we put it up on hannity.com commemorative uh box set first edition guaranteed bound set for mom and you get a beautiful gift card and you can even get it on sunday if you didn't think of you right that's what i was going to say you can print it out at home you don't have to go anywhere you can follow Mm -hmm. all your social distancing rules and regulations and still be able to give your mom something really nice i am still finishing it because i'm trying to keep it as up to date as possible and i'm adding more and more and more pages and they're like uh, you're over 300 pages now. Over 340 pages now. You're way over 300 now. pages. <laughs> yeah, I know. And uh, well, it's too, I, there's a lot to get. But to. it's too important, Sean. And you it's and I really, important. you know, listen, boss, you did a good job. Well, you've been one of the few people that have actually had a glimpse at it. So uh, anyway, I hope you'll, you'll think of that for mom for Sunday and tell her you love her, and tell them tell your moms I love them. Um, I'm watching now this this battle. Among, and this is the divide among states here, because 
a lot of states want to open, and they are, in the process of this whole COVID-19, what did we learn? We learned that the worst states that were, New York was the worst. They should have been the most prepared. They were the least prepared. They got the most help. And now they're demanding the most post-COVID-19, not, not that we're finished with it, but monies to pay for all of their their reckless spending, unfunded pensions, uh, their debt, their deficits, et cetera. They're going to want the taxpayers to bail them out. Now, if you look at red states, Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, Alabama, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, you know, Arizona, Texas, Oklahoma, they all balance their budgets. They all balance their budgets and they fund their pensions and they don't tax anywhere near states like California, New York, Illinois and New Jersey tax. And then it raises the question, well, what do you do with all of this money? Well, again, they spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars on idiotic Green Deal madness. So it's sort of like, you know, like California. Okay, they want to give what? Seventy five million dollars to illegal immigrants in checks. The cost of illegal immigration for the state of California, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Sanctuary states, sanctuary cities. 13.5% state income tax, that's all likely to even go higher at this point. Now, we're trying to have a discussion. What state did the best? What can we learn? That would be Florida. What did Florida do? Florida targeted specifically the elderly population, at those most vulnerable, those with underlying health issues, those with pre-existing conditions of some kind or another and and those with compromised immune systems they went in there and they went in hard they went in hard to protect and when i show these graphs on tv it is a dramatic difference from new york and new jersey and connecticut and michigan and illinois dramatic differences although to the credit of gavin newsom he did a pretty good job i don't agree with everything he did but he did a better job he did a better job of protecting his state. Now, what did they do down in Florida? They didn't get these draconian measures in place. I mean, in Michigan, the numbers are atrocious. And that's in spite of this this idiot governor there, Whitmer. OK, why are you banning jet skis? If somebody's on a jet ski by themselves, I would say that's probably pretty safe. Or motorboats. OK, maybe you're there with a spouse or girlfriend. Uh, maybe have a mask on on top of it. You know, these, you know, you just shut down everything. People got to make a living. They want to get to they want to get back to work. You know, we can't even camp at a campground. Uh, every retailer is closing their plants. Uh, lawyers, they usually have big offices. They go in, they put their mask on. Well, if the guys stocking the shelves at every grocery store in New York are there every week and they're not getting sick, we can learn from that experience as well. Because that means it's working or the truckers that are out there, they're still in contact with a lot of people. You wear your mask, you do your social distancing thing. It's only going to be temporary. But we've learned from these other protect those that are most vulnerable. Now, that responsibility will lie on all of us to the extent that you might have contact with people that are older. uh, You've got to consider them even over yourself, because if you're young and healthy, no underlying conditions, your immune system strong, the odds are with you, you're going to be fine. Not in every case, most cases. 
That's what we learned here. So you got to learn and apply the things that worked and then look at the things that didn't work. And when you do that, I mean, why would you say you can't cut your lawn? How stupid is that? And that's why everybody's getting angrier and angrier as we go. Now, I cannot believe that, you know, over there at MSDNC, they have people saying these freedom obsessed Americans blind to threats like coronavirus. Nobody's blind to the threat of coronavirus. We all understand the dangers here and the American people have sat back. They've watched. They've made their own conclusions. They're using their their own level of, you know, what is for them individually or individuals, an acceptable level of of risk. And most people feel walking on a beach socially distant is not that big a risk. And uh, it worked out in Florida again. I feel so sorry for this poor woman down in Dallas, a salon owner, and she was hauled into court. She opened up her business. The judge in this case demanding that she owes elected officials an apology for disrespecting by and flagrantly ignoring the politicians. Listen to this judge. Society cannot function where one's own belief in a concept of liberty permits you to flaunt your disdain for the rulings of duly elected officials, that you owe an apology to the elected officials whom you disrespect, disrespected by flagrantly ignoring and in one case defiling their orders, which we now know obviously apply to you, that you understand that the proper way in which an or, in an ordered society to engage concerns which you may have had is to hire a lawyer and advocate for change an exception or an amendment to laws that you find offensive, that you publicly state that this is the way that citizens in the state should behave, and that you represent to this court that you will today cease operation of your salon and not reopen until after further orders of of the government permit you to do so. This court will consider the payment of a fine in lieu of the incarceration which you've demonstrated that you have so clearly earned. Is there anything that you would like to say? Judge, I would like to say that I have much respect for this court and laws and that I've never been been in this position before. And it's not some place that I want to be. But I have to disagree with you, sir, when I when you say that I'm selfish, because feeding my kids is not selfish. I have hairstylists that are going hungry because they'd rather feed their kids. So, sir, if you think the law is more important than kids getting fed, then please go ahead with your decision. But I am not going to shut the salon. They put this lady in jail. Now, nobody has to go to her salon. Look, I was a little skeptical of Georgia Governor Kemp. I, I concede I was impressed with how they're opening nail salons down in Georgia with the plexiglass. Everybody has a mask on and you put your hands under the plexiglass and the uh, the person that's doing the manicure thing has gloves on. I, I was impressed. And we're going to learn what works and what doesn't work. It's, nothing's going to be perfect, but we have learned a lot here. If those guys didn't stock the shelves that I see every week and talk to every week, New York would have starved if they would have shut down the manufacturing of medical equipment. New York hospitals were dead. I mean, let's be real here. Everybody wants everything, everything to be filled. That means some people don't shut down and they were able to do it successfully. 
couple of hiccups. We made mistakes. We had breakouts at some of the meatpacking plants. And now they're making the changes there as well to keep people safe, but also keep the food supply up and open. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's, there's, it, there's this resistance to doing anything. It's like there's nothing Donald Trump or anybody can do that is going to ever satisfy those that want him and the country in the meantime to fail. We can't fail. It's not an option to fail. We're smart enough. We're in, we're innovative enough. People are I am seeing stuff that's blowing me away. Innovative ideas to open up restaurants with big plexiglass, more social distancing, wearing masks, except for the time that you're eating and opening up the restaurant. And and on top of that, we expect 60, 90 days. We're going to have testing like we've never had before. And by the way, there's a study out. COVID-19 lockdown is risking 1.4 million extra TB deaths as as part of this. Uh, the modeling was wrong. That hurt everybody. China lied. That hurt everybody. And, you know, I'm watching people in the middle of a pandemic politicize everything, accusing the president of his response to what do you mean his response? None of you liberals would have supported the travel ban or subsequent travel bans or the quarantines. And then you see the political agenda. They've all been talking about it. Biden talked about it. Pelosi talked about it. Never let a crisis go to waste sort of thing. And they got this group, People's Bailout, you know, a community organizing group. What what are their principles? Oh, their wish list is, oh, let's see, government health care for illegal immigrants, required 15 bucks an hour minimum wage, enhanced union collective bargaining, government regulation, uh, of the board of directors of private companies. This is full on socialism, direct, sizable cash payments to every American wind and solar power, everything all green, clean and affordable public transit built, manufacture more clean energy goods. In other words, get rid of oil and gas, the lifeblood of the world's economy. They're pushing that. Congresswoman Omar, we must have universal basic income. They're not doing anything to help open the country and open it safely and let Americans feed their own families and pursue their own interest in life. And some will take on uh, maybe more risk than others to the extent they're comfortable doing it. We are a free society. I'm telling all of you, this is the real deal. I am suggesting for the sake of others that if we are opening up, Pay attention to the distancing. Wear your mask so you don't get somebody else. It's only temporary. That's my, I want all of you to be healthy and all the people in your lives to be healthy. And then you got the psycho Adam Schiff, the liar that he is. Oh, and he's in big trouble tomorrow. Oh, wait till you hear from John Solomon later. Um, We'll get to that. You know, he's now accusing, well, if we would have just impeached Trump, none of this corona death stuff would have happened. I'm like, huh? You know, Michael Moore, Earth will take revenge on mankind for trying to choke it to blanking death. It's it's madness. I don't know. We're, we're getting to the point, irreconcilable differences, it seems, doesn't it? All right, glad you're with us. Hour 2-800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of the program. All right, how to open the country, open it safely. Uh, we bring back our medical aid team, and that would be the wonderful Dr. Oz. Uh, sir, um... I'm watching what's happening, and unfortunately, there's way too much politics involved in this. So I'm trying to think in my own non-medical doctor brain, okay, what have we learned? 
Well, we learned in New York it's dumb to put people that have COVID-19 in nursing homes. Uh, That was a bad idea, and it resulted in a lot of deaths that probably could have been prevented. Uh, We learned in Florida by targeting the elderly and the most vulnerable population, it worked really well. Uh, We learned that draconian orders like in Michigan are not necessarily, you know, telling people not to go camping or cut their lawn or go out alone on a jet ski is a little draconian and and not particularly helpful that people getting out socially distanced, walking a beach like in Florida, you know, didn't seem to hurt a lot of people. Um, But Florida targeting the vulnerable seemed to be the answer. Um, I think we learned something in New York because I kept going shopping every week and I see the same guys stocking the shelves every day. So we have food and supplies and none of them got sick. None of them. I'd see the same guys every week. How do we apply what we did right to opening the country quickly and safely? Well, one thing for sure is there are models from other parts of the world that are having an impact. So it is possible to keep your country open wear masks, socially distance, be super strict about how you enforce that. Some things we couldn't do in America, but could be done in parts of the world where we're tolerant of it and get success without shutting the country down. The real issue for us is not to keep adjusting what we did. We made a huge sacrifice to flatten the curve. That was the goal, right? Flatten the curve. We don't want to squander that by jumping into reopening areas like nursing homes so anyone can go visit whenever they want without lots of you know, careful thought. That stated, the goal wasn't to eradicate the virus because that's not doable with social distancing by itself. And there are health impacts from COVID-19 that are very visible, and there are health impacts from sheltering in place that are invisible, but still are important. So the challenge for all of us is to say, okay, uh, what are the things that are first line have to happen, uh, like getting businesses opened, uh, and then next step, getting restaurants open, and then next step, you know, the, the movie theater phenomenon, and then you're fixated on on stadiums, which I understand. So then you move down the road to towards. Oh, I'm things. fixated on it. I can't wait. But go ahead. <laughs> you can't. But they're they're all going to work at different levels. So uh, you picked on something really important. It, nursing home deaths. Some would argue are a quarter of the deaths. It's a catastrophe, and. It, it's, it's happened in many parts of the world, not just this country. We just have to be super strict. I have, I have two friends actually who work in that space. Both of them now said, you know, once you get one patient in a wing of the facility, that has to be a COVID wing. You cannot cross mix them. It's just too dangerous. There's no room for error. There are other scenarios where you, you know, you could start start to figure this out. I mean, by giving the, the initial vaccines to see if they're safe are not being given to older people, even though that's who needs it the most. It's been given to younger people, right? They pick three, Pfizer pick 360 young people said, hey, you know what? We're going to give you all this vaccine. We have, we have four different types of vaccines. We don't know which one's the best. We're going to give, you know, each of, you know, one of four. We're going to see how you do. And if you guys do well, which we think you will, then we're going to give it to the older folks. They'll do the same thing when they're testing it for in populations that are high risk in high transmission areas. You know, they'll give it to healthcare workers who are not the older ones who are most at risk because that's how you'll figure out if in the healthiest people possible with the least room for at least chance of having a, a, a catastrophic complication, you won't have any problems. You know, I'm watching a lot of the protests, and, and you've been watching it as well, and there's no social distancing, and a lot of people aren't wearing masks. Now, I'm not a doctor, Dr. Oz, but I, we've both watched this up close and personal. And it, it may not even be for the people that are protesting, and, and I understand they want to they open their businesses. They want to get back to work. 
Um, the reason I would encourage people to wear the mask is, number one, it's going to be very temporary. And I think you agree with me there. Number yep. two, maybe you're not doing it for yourself, but you're doing it for other people because we're all likely to come into contact with that vulnerable population on some level. If you don't want to do it for yourself, at least do it for them. And again, it's temporary. I, I, and I think we, t we tend to lose perspective. I'm not going to let any government bureaucrat tell me to wear a mask. Okay, I'm, I'm doing it because I don't want to infect an old person. That's my, that is my real, sincere, honest reason that I would encourage other people to do it, too. I think I, I applaud what you've been saying. And in addition, you know, we, we don't want to go into state capitals armed and, you know, menacingly. Even if you're right about the fundamental principle that it's your autonomous reason, you know, right to do something, there are people we're protecting who we owe a lot to, right? They raised us. But there's another issue here. We, we got to get the whole population going out and doing things because they think it's safe. If they're if half the population is feeling bullied by the other half of the population, and both sides have arguments on this, then not the whole population goes back out safely, confidently, and starts to do the things that our, that our society needs for it to function at an emotional level, at a physical level, and everything in between. I mean, I've been laser-focused on trying to help with the logistics of getting food from the farm to the table. It's, I mean, these are shockingly big problems. I mean, like billions of dollars of problems with a lot of waste in between. We all got to do this together. Arguing about what day you go out or don't go out is made a lot less painful. If everyone agrees at some point, we got to get out. Let's do it in the safest way possible so you don't feel at risk. And that way, when the country, when the governor says your state is open, the people of the state will also open. Okay, so uh, now the other thing that will help us, but it's going to take some time, is and I and I got some updates from my sources, both in on the medical side and on the governmental side, and they're saying they really believe by sort of like the end of May we're going to have tens of millions of tests available a month. That's a lot. Not everybody's going to need it, but I think that could go a long way to helping us open and open with confidence. Correct? Testing will help dramatically, but I got to add, you got the, the word tracing after that, because once you test someone and you figure out that they're infected, you got to trace the people that they've been in close contact with, usually their friends, coworkers, and you got to say, hey, listen, we're not sure, but because you guys work together in the same facility right across from each other, there's too much of a chance you're infected. So you're going to have to take two weeks off. And you know what? I know that's an issue financially. We're going to help you with that. We'll help you with housing. We got to you know step up just for a while to make sure that people do We've got to make it easy for people to do the right thing. And that's how we'll ultimately squash this. But I'm going to say it again. It's never going to go to zero. And I want people to be comfortable with that so they're not panicked or feeling like we're failing if suddenly there's a little outbreak with, you know, 16 people in one company influenced, as long as they're younger and healthier people who don't get hospitalized and, God forbid, having bigger complications, then we should say, okay, let's stomp that out, do, do all the tracing required, that public health people do what they're supposed to do, and we'll shut that little part of our company down for two weeks, open it back up again, but the rest of the company will stay in business. How do you feel when the hotspots emerged? One was in South Dakota at a meatpacking plant, another in an Iowa meatpacking plant, and another one in Washington State. In other words, it became an instant hot zone. How do you feel that we reacted when those hotspots came up? Because there's going to be those down the line. Well, there's two elements to it. First, why did it happen? What can we learn so we, do it, we don't repeat it? And in the case of you know, the, the meat processing facilities, by the nature of that business, you've got workers 
elbow to elbow, working their tails off, someone across this table from them. So any one person talks about anything, there's going to be virus in the air if they're infected. So you get the whole supply line could compromise because these factors, you know, some of them produce several percent of the food supply of pork, for example. So what we want to do is separate people a little more, put dividers in, they wear masks. We don't know how effective those masks are, but the right masks on the right people could be really effective. Let's prove that. And at the same time, here's the big issue. People who are healthy in those plants, we don't want them scared. We want them really believing, because it's the truth, that everything's being done to keep them safe and out of harm's way, so that if you do have a couple of sick workers, which is going to happen in a big factory, everybody else still comes to work because they know that you're in it with them. If you're not, let's speak in broad generalities here. So if you're not social distancing, well, if you are, let's assume you don't have to wear a mask. But if you are, if you're not, if you if you don't have that capacity and you have the mask, and then you add the plexiglass you know, possibility as we've seen for salons and restaurants and the pictures, et cetera. Um, how safe is that in your view? Or, or maybe we don't know. We don't have the full answer, but uh, your best guess, educated guess? First of all, I'll say shockingly, we don't know for sure because you think we know that already, uh, but it's hard to study that. And I, I, my personal belief is it makes a huge difference to wear a mask, the right kind of mask. And it's not What is the right kind of mask? Does it have to be an N95 mask? No, I think that a surgical mask will help prevent your sputum from getting to everybody else, which is probably the single best way of slowing this down. And I just looked at a nice video that was in the New England Journal of Medicine showing you know, someone saying the word healthy three times when they didn't have a mask on, the whole thing lit up with little spits of sputum with theoretically virus in them. When the person put on a surgical mask, it disappeared. I mean, you couldn't see any of the not, you know, I'm just I'm visually saying I couldn't see anything. There may have been small little particles, but I think... It's not just about a mask that has the right kind of space in between. It's also more sophisticated masks, electrostatic charges, new, new types of compounds that attract sputum to them. So they wick it and they prevent it from getting into your, you know, out of your mouth towards the rest of the people you work with. And so I think masks will make a huge difference. We've got to prove it. I think you, know, you should prove it in people who are young and healthy. So if for some reason someone gets ill, it's usually going to be either asymptomatic or not bad enough to land him in a hospital. That's, I keep coming back to that theme because if everyone who got this virus was sick for five days, that's not good news, right? But if sick for five days and then back to work again is when you're safe is very different from in a hospital intubated in an ICU. Did you see the IDF Israel uh, declaring a breakthrough in their antibody treatment? Uh, I know you're following this stuff every day. Um, but anyway, they're, they're calling it a major breakthrough that in finding that an antidote to the coronavirus, isolating and developing an antibody that attacks the virus. And I guess that would somehow, I guess people would ingest it, have it, I don't know, have it, it, it injected? Inject, it, it would be, yeah, it would be injected. As you know, I'm, I get a fire hose of information every day that I'm digesting. But the what they're, what they're looking at are antibodies that are, that are ready to attack the COVID-19. So you would give it to people whose immune systems weren't able to keep up, or maybe you just give it early in an ailment just to make sure their immune system kept up, and you'd slaughter all the cells that have virus being expressed, so you get rid of all those, uh, those areas that, uh, the, you know, the infected areas. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not dissimilar from what we have been trying to do, getting plasma from people who've already been exposed. These are all downstream tools. You, know, you, you try them in people who are you know, having significant problems. It'd be great to have medications that you use, even if you're an outpatient, to accelerate your recovery. Uh, that's why I, these trials that are ongoing with 
medications like hydroxychloroquine are important to us because we want, you know, ideally some of these might pan out. Remdesivir is going to be tried in healthier patients next, I bet, just because they want to make sure that, you know, they can use it in people before they get critically ill. There's so much being made on the therapy side, but the real home run is how fast we're moving in vaccines. Where I mean, we're all stunned. The ability of these companies to, to, to draft off prior ideas, some of them from oncology, you know, using techniques that cancer researchers have been using. They're using ideas from older vaccine concepts that never were proven out because the, vac- you know, the Ebola went away or the original SARS disappeared. And now that they are being tried in really aggressive ways uh, to, to hopefully benefit us. I mean, if we had a vaccine by early 2021, which I, most of my friends are saying, if we get a little lucky, it could happen, that would just change everything because we give that to folks who are vulnerable immediately. It's still a long way off, though, right? I mean, that's that's the hard part. You know, the financial cost of all of this, I mean, everybody better prepare for sticker shock, if you will, because when those second quarter numbers come in, it's going to be ugly, as ugly as we've ever seen. Now, the hope is that's April, May, June. The hope is July, August, September, we begin to see the the trends shift back up, hopefully dramatically. And certainly the president's targeting quarter four in the beginning of next year as when we really make our comeback. And if you're talking about a vaccine at that point, this is done. Do we then like have to now focus on these killer bees? Have you been reading about this thing? Yeah, killer bee. I just interviewed the big, uh, you know, there's a YouTube video of the killer bee biting a yeah. guy. And I had him I on my show today. Right. <laughs> These killer bees are not an issue for us guys, and they they came here in December. Actually, uh, they're they're not many of them. They don't. Well, hang on, here. Fauci said that the risk is low. February 29th. Hang in there, Doctor Oz. <laughs> Let's not make any pro- proclamations here. I think we all got no, they, sandbagged they, on all this. These these will be a problem one day, but they're not a yeah. problem in 2020. Let's focus on a much bigger issue. Yeah, the <laughs> election in 181 days uh, with all of this happening in the background. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. I, you know, I was, I'll just tell you, these are, these are very strange, weird times. And I'm not sure, you know, I've been doing this, what, 31 years in radio and, what, 24 or 5 years, Linda and, and Fox. And you just, you just watch and what, you, what I have to conclude at some point is there are people, and there are a lot of them, and they seem to make up a lot of the mob and the media and the Democratic Party. They just don't care what the truth is. And somehow they just take on this breathtaking hypocrisy, and they own it, and they defend it, and they're going to keep defending it, and they're not going to stop defending it no matter how obviously hypocritical that they are. I mean, it was uh, at the end of the day here, they just want Trump to fail so that they can defeat him. And for them, that's a victory rather than maybe saying, "Okay, maybe we should be all hands on deck and keep people safe. And yeah, the travel ban worked and the medical mobilization. Wow, we we did a pretty good job there, too. Uh, But that's never going to happen with them. There's nothing this president will ever do. I've said if he cures cancer, it's, you know, they'd want to impeach him. Then you have these other idiot politicians that that are totally, completely and utterly caught flat footed, prepared for nothing, made proclamations that were false, demonstrably false late in the game that they were prepared and go out on the town and it's safe. 
and they're not held accountable. Um, they're praised by the mob. They're praised by their and protected by their fellow Democrats. You know, and then every other issue we've been dealing with. You know, well, the president, you know, what did the president want? Nothing. Well, we can't have quid pro quos, but then you ignore Joe. You know, you're not getting the billion. You know the whole thing. Russian interference. Oh, we can't have that. But the likely Russian disinformation from the get-go, dirty Clinton bought and paid for dossier, it gets no coverage. Except from, you know, places like here. Not many, not many places. You know, I believe, I believe, I believe. But I don't believe Biden's accuser, who has a lot more corroboration. And her mother calling Larry King in 1993. Uh, it's okay that nobody seems to care that they spied on a presidential candidate. And then transition team. And then a presidency. And they did it using an unverified uh, dossier Basically, Russian misinformation that was never verifiable, claiming it was verified. Nobody's held accountable. They set up a 33-year general veteran service to his country. Yeah, I sent them in. They brag about it. You know, you don't need a lawyer. Then withhold exculpatory evidence. Then they didn't even believe he's lying. And then threatened to put the guy's son in jail after he's bankrupt and had to sell his house. And then you have pre-dawn raids on people like Manafort and Roger Stone. Uh, let's see, for process crimes. Or they didn't pay taxes on X, Y, or Z. It's unbelievable. 29 guys, tactical gear, frogmen for lying to Congress. Really? Well, these same guys uh, that were involved in a lot of this, yeah, they were referred uh, for investigation by the inspector general for the same exact thing. It's insane. You know, well, well we're going to get a conviction and the jury four person will find out later hated the person that was on trial. Whatever, whatever happened to a fair and impartial jury? We'll send the CNN cameras in for these early morning raids. We'll do that, too. You know, I you got to worry about what this all means, that it is these people think they're right. They justify it. They rationalize it. And they have no desire to get to any truth. And no matter how good a job is done on whatever level, they'll never give credit unless you're a Democrat. No matter how bad you are and how awful your decisions were, how ill-prepared you are, you're going to be protected. Joe's going to be protected on Ukraine and the quid and the pro and the quo. He's going to be protected on Tara Reid. They're even going to protect, you know, what is a complete... Kind of scary uh, sets of incidences where he doesn't seem like he's got a two together. They'll protect him on that, too. And it goes on and on, just like they protected Hillary. And it's, you know, at some point you just you you absorb all of this and you realize they don't they don't give a flying rip about the truth. They have contempt for the American people as much as they do the the president. If you like the president, you voted for the president. You're just a smelly. You know, Trump supporting Walmart shopper, irredeemable, deplorable. You know, ah, these people are racist. I'm not going after those votes, Joe Biden said. Okay. Clinging to God, guns, and Bibles and religion. It's all happened. Anyway, for the very latest on this whole travesty of justice as it relates to General Flynn, 
We have Sydney Powell. She has a lot of updates today. And also, justthenews.com, uh, John Solomon is with us. He's been covering all of this since early in 2017, since the president got into office. Uh, welcome both of you back to the program. Um, where are we, Sydney Powell? I understand you're getting new information daily. What's going on? Yes, we got the seven pages of additional Brady evidence last night, evidence that shows that the government committed crimes and General Flynn is innocent. And we get more every day. They've told us to expect still more. I don't know when the next batch is coming. Sometimes I think you all in the media know more about all this than I do. I just get an email that pops Sydney, in my email you box. Ju- Sydney, that is the biggest insult. If you if you, you know, pack me in with the mob in the media, uh, I'm not the mob in the media. That's those are the people that lie and and besmirch no, and no, smear no, no, and no, slander. That, and those no, are the ones not, that peddle conspiracy theories. Go ahead. Yes. No, that is not what I was saying at all. I'm saying that you get tips about information that I might be getting before I get it. That's what I was saying. Well, there's some so, truth to that, actually. I think I have I one know. now. <laughs> Um, there is a little truth to that. I have some. We have good sources, John Solomon, don't we? <laughs> yes, we've been blessed. With that. That's true. By the way, one day they're going to put us under oath and demand we give up our sources. I'm not. T- I'm not giving up anything. I'm going to follow I'll this de- Dallas. I'll defend la- you from that. I'll defend you from that. <laughs> well, they put this poor woman salon owner in jail in Dallas because she opened her shop to feed her family, yeah. and uh, you know they're Amazing acting story. like it's apologize or you're going to jail. They sent her to jail. Grief. Well, fortunately, the attorney general of Texas and the governor of Texas just told them yes. to let her out. She's not out yet, according to reports. She needs to get out. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. She needs to be out immediately. But, you know, we've got more information now that General Flynn was totally set up what we've said all along, because we knew he was honest with the agents the entire time. He knew he was honest with the agents. They literally framed him for what they wanted to make up against him. That's what they did. They just made it all up. And it's now time to start prosecuting the prosecutors. This cannot continue to go on. The Department of Justice looks worse every minute it delays dismissing this case. John Solomon, there's another aspect of this that is emerging, and we should have this information uh, either by airtime tonight on Hannity or tomorrow. And that is that uh, Adam Schiff's spectacular lies are about to be exposed in a pretty profound way. Tell us. Yeah, listen, up on Just the News right now, just a few minutes ago, I spent uh, more than 15 hours going through every videotape interview that Adam Schiff ever did, every statement he made in the congressional record, every congressional document he wrote, and every newspaper interview he gave. And what I do is I point out that because of declassification, we now know that Adam Schiff routinely uh, misstated the facts in the Russia case imposed upon the American people Russian disinformation. He read into the congressional record the part of the Steele dossier that the intelligence community has concluded came from Russian intelligence services as a disinformation campaign. So I go through painstakingly, uh, line by line, of the things that Adam Schiff imposed on us on television, in Congress, in the newspaper, and I give people the American truth, how, how much he gave us false uh, uh, disinformation, Russian disinformation, uh, all throughout to 2017, 2018, and 2019. It's a 2,000-word story with about 12 really strong, powerful examples of Adam Schiff now being debunked by declassification. So, in other words, what you're saying is this declassification effort exposes the fact that what he was saying publicly, he knew was a lie. 
either knew or should have known, right? He could have gone to the, uh, as the House, uh, ranking member of the House Intelligence Committee, then the chairman, he could have gotten a briefing and found out. And rather than find out the truth, he just read uh, knowing falsehoods into the congressional record. I mean, when we go back and we look at what he said at the time, it's embarrassing to read. Uh, the FBI followed all the FISA procedures. No, they didn't. Uh, Christopher Steele's claim that Carter Page met with the Russian named Igor Session is credible. No, it isn't. It was debunked by the time <laughs> Adam Schiff said it. And so we go time by time. I think the headline says it all. Uh, my headline on the story is Adam Schiff is the biggest loser of Russia declassification. It's an eight-minute read uh, when you get the, the read time on it, it's, uh, and it's a fascinating one. You know, Sydney, go through the list that I was just mentioning here. It's, and, and I'm serious about all of this, because you got General Flynn, who you're representing. you got the congenital liar, this guy. You've got, you know, the nothing, the, the president's travel ban saved incalculable numbers of lives. You listen to the media mob, there's nothing he could do right. He saved New York, he gets no credit. The guys that threw people in nursing homes in New York, they get all the credit, and literally, that led to many people's deaths. That's where most of the death, in terms of percentage, came from in New York. Uh, then you've got, okay, impeach Trump for a quid pro quo, but you ignore what Joe's bragging about uh, when he says fire the prosecutor or you're not getting a billion. Russian interference matters, but not Hillary's dirty Russian dossier that was then used, uh, which is unverifiable, now debunked as the basis to spy on a, a presidential candidate, transition team and presidency. These are not small things. What they did to Roger Stone, General Flynn, Paul Manafort. Papadopoulos and everybody in between. They knew, you know, how do you have a corrupt jury for person and not overturn a guilty verdict in that case, for example? There's so much of this corruption. Nobody seems to want to talk about it, but a very small percentage of us. I know, Sean. I mean, you've been at the forefront of exposing these absolutely outrageous abuses of power and, frankly, criminal conduct by government officials for, what, four years now at least? Pretty much. And, and John and Sarah and, uh, you know, there's, what, what, maybe 20, 30 people that have been trying Joe, to sound Victoria, the alarm. Yeah, we, I mean, I can't name everybody, but there's not a lot of us. Right. But the American people are catching on. They are watching this. They're watching the Flynn case very closely. And I I mean, I don't even think the Department of Justice understands how much damage it's doing to itself the longer it takes to dismiss this case. I mean, the people are outraged right now. I guess those people who live in Washington just don't get it. But I live out in the heartland of America where, you know, there are real people out there paying attention and they are livid, absolutely livid over what's happened to General Flynn. And it only gets worse every day. The department drags this out. Well, you know, I asked you the question recently about Director Ray. And you said that in License to Lie, and it's been some time since I've thumbed through it, that you described the relationship with Ray and Andrew Weissman. And I got pushback when you had said that. Oh, that's not true. That's absolutely not true. And I wanted to go back and and ask you again about it. Um, Yeah, it's not in License to Lie, but it's in an article that I wrote shortly after Ray was appointed. He was Weissman's supervisor in the Department of Justice when Weissman was head of the Enron Task Force and committed all the atrocities against at least 100 people in Houston, uh, destroyed Arthur Anderson and 85,000 jobs for nothing, sent four Merrill Lynch executives to prison on an indictment that criminalized an innocent business transaction and hid the evidence that showed they were innocent for six years. 
he was he was responsible for all of that. I mean, he just violated everyone's rights every which way in in Houston. And there are people that tell me they still have nightmares about the way he was treated. He threatened witnesses. He intimidated people in front of the grand jury. It was outrageous. Uh, John Solomon, I mean, uh, these are the people that they got awfully close to their goal, didn't they? They did. And listen, if it wasn't for the good work of people like Sidney Powell and, and uh, Devin Nunez and, and your bullhorn, Sean, being able to use your show and your media contacts to get this story out, they probably would have succeeded. And I, I think now what we have to do is make sure the entire story is told to its last, last word so that no one is ever tempted again to try this. And that it's up to Attorney General Barr and John Durham to make sure that people are punished to create the deter, determine that this doesn't happen again in the future as well. That ought to be our goal. We've got to finish what we started so that this, there's never a temptation to do what they did here ever so again. So tomorrow's going to be a big news day. Can I predict that with certainty? Uh, well, here. Well, it's when is that way? I mean, there's a lot of talk about some well, more like classification. You guys know more about this than I do. <laughs> when is it, when is the Judge Sullivan going to vacate this thing, Sydney? I don't know what's taking him so long. Well, the government's response to our supplemental motion to dismiss is due Monday. Uh, if they have any, they also have a status report due Friday at noon. I mean, that would be the latest by which they ought to dismiss this case. Right. Great work. We're waiting. And, you know, where does uh, General Flynn go to get his good name back? And all these other good people, where do they go to get their good names back? Uh, thank you both. Great work. Sidney Powell, John Solomon. information overload our simple man that means one thing and one thing only and that is the not simple man simple man bill o'reilly himself all things o'reilly BillOReilly.com, sir how are you doing i'm practicing simplicity <laughs> looking out the window at the uh manhasset bay here oh um, nice, nice. You know? sheltering in pl- did, you, did you get the antibody test at the dock in the box like i did i did you know uh I should, though. That was smart of you to get that test. Well, I went uh, there. fine, right? Yeah, I'm, I did, I, I'm fine. But I went there, but I was not going to get the test if other people needed it, but there was nobody there. Did it hurt? <laughs> no, it did. It's a needle, Bill. It wow, only draws a little bit of blood. A little bit of blood. Jeez. I, do you ever, you, you've seen some of my workout videos. You know the pain day is what, is, what that's all about. All right, I have a serious question. And uh-huh. I want your I want your simple analysis of this, although it's pretty complicated in a way. In some ways, my heart is troubled. I see a country in many ways teetering on the brink of all out madness. It doesn't matter what Donald Trump does in terms of the the travel ban, the quarantines, building hospitals, getting enough ventilators and all the supplies, et cetera. All of these people in the Democratic Party, they hate him. They'll never say he did one thing well at all. Now you can compare that. Governor Cuomo doesn't matter that he didn't listen to his task force or comrade de Blasio. He didn't listen. They didn't buy the ventilators. They didn't prepare. Both of them in early March were telling us, go out on the town, de Blasio, saying, oh, we're New Yorkers. We have this handle, Cuomo saying. 
But it was Donald Trump that bailed New York out in this. And it's not just this, but and they get praised to the hilt. The level of hypocrisy on every single issue, whether it be I believe, but not if it's against uh, Joe Biden or a quid pro quo, but not if it's Joe Biden withholding money for zero experience son. Uh, it's Russia, but not the Hillary dirty dossier. There is this is now a high level collusion, if you will, between Democrats and their willing accomplices in the media mob. Up is down, Bill. Down is up. You know, purple is pink or purple is blue and blue is purple. Everything's backwards. There's no honesty anymore, Bill. They have chosen sides and and they they lie with abandon. Sure. And the uh, interesting uh, op-ed in the Wall Street Journal today, uh, and the writer basically says that the New York Daily News, not a major factor in the media going out of business soon, lied about the uh, Clorox ingesting story and then tried to panic New Yorkers by saying, well, this could lead to people actually ingesting um, substances that would harm them. So this writer, he, d- he investigated, was not one, not one, complaint or call in about anybody ingesting anything in 18 hours after the president asked a question about should we research this kind of stuff. So you're absolutely right. But um, it comes down to this, that the media, members of the media and the corporations that run them, Hannity, this is very important, have made the decision that the end, getting rid of Donald Trump, justifies the means that means lies, distortions, smears, ignoring facts that might help Donald Trump. So the end justifies the means. And they believe it, firmly believe it. Um, it's almost like the Crusades. Remember when the Christians in Europe went over and they said, look, we're going to slaughter everybody in the Holy Land because it's justified, because we want to take back Jerusalem. So we're going to kill everybody. The end justifies the means. And that's what we're seeing in America. Very dangerous. There's no sense of honor, decency in any of these debates, Bill. I mean, it is now, for example, I could say, you know, find something good to say about Barack Obama. I think he was a good father. I don't like his policies. I think he hung out with radicals, all that. This is now, this is rage, psychosis. And, and a, a level of groupthink madness where they refuse to tell any truth. Everything Trump does is bad. Everything Absolutely. Democrats Everything. do is fine. And, and you know what? Um, th- that's a really excellent word you use, rage, um, because that's what it is. And it's not only a rage against Donald Trump, but anyone who supports him, anyone. And that's what this pandemic, oh, nobody can go out of their house movement is all about punish the Trump supporters because people who are lobbying to get back to work are primarily Republicans and conservatives. So we have to punish them by forcing them to stay inside the House. That's what Whitmer did, the governor of Michigan. And then she lied about the demonstrators. And you were absolutely right. You don't bring guns to a demonstration. So anybody listening to the Hannity radio program right now, if you bring a gun to a demonstration, you hurt your cause. You marginalize what you want to do. 
But Widmer basically said, oh, all these people had Nazi flags and Confederate flags and all of this, which was a total lie. There was one Nazi flag, and it said, Heil Whitmer. That's all, right. all I it, saw. I looked right. hard. Like you, I looked, I looked well, hard we and, and deep. We researched it, too. I, I, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's the only thing we found. That was right. it. So Whitmer lies, lies about her opposition, and her policies obviously speak for themselves. She will not be reelected, and she will not be Biden's running mate. And she would have been Biden's running mate had she not done this. But it is a rage, and it's, it's extending into every part of our society now. It's just like the media, okay, we can walk away. You can't walk away anymore because it extends into your job, your taxes, your ability to buy things and move around. All of the get Trump, make sure Trump is harmed actually is now harming every American, not just mm-hmm. Trump supporters. It's almost like when you think of all we've been through, Russia, Russia, uh, Ukraine, Ukraine. And, you know, there was Russian influence. It was a dossier. Hillary paid for it. There was obstruction. It was Hillary's email. There was Ukraine. It was quid pro quo Joe there. And now it's it's almost like it doesn't matter. You know, all these people were impeaching Donald Trump. And 10 days after the first identified case of coronavirus in this country, they weren't saying anything about it. Donald Trump was putting in place the travel ban, controversial. He was attacked for it, followed by the first quarantine in, what, 50-plus years, followed by subsequent travel bans, uh, followed by the, the biggest medical mobilization in, in the history of mankind. But my, what I'm seeing, Bill, is if they can convince everybody or the public staying on message, psychotic rage, groupthink, don't deviate, and convince the American people he he has no ability to do a single good thing and, and not recognize where the economy was before all of this, then they think they win. And this for them is about power. Now, behind all of this, we have a lot of agenda items that they're pushing, and none of them represent anything that uh, uh, resembles capitalism in any way. Well, the big thing is, and all Americans should understand this, there is a fourth stimulus bill in motion, but the Republicans say they're not going to vote for it unless the Democrats put in a provision that you can't sue over coronavirus. Now, Cuomo doesn't want anybody suing over coronavirus because they're going to sue him over the unbelievable debacle in New York State's nursing homes, which led to um, before it's all over, tens of thousands of deaths because those nursing homes are a disgrace, and he's in charge of that. So By the way, Bill, there's another level of this. You're, you're right, and I mentioned this earlier, and that is it doesn't matter how, how he botched this thing up so bad, putting COVID patients in nursing homes, an executive order mandating they take them. They Meanwhile, take them back, right? So they he, had the Javits so Center make, in the in the comfort. Bigger, let me make my bigger point. So the Republicans are basically saying we're not going to give any more money to anybody unless we pass legislation that says you can't sue over the COVID, because they're already lined up the blood sucking extortionist lawyers who are really getting hammered. Uh, in the in the virus uh, contagion, because they can't make any money, they can't shake anybody down, because many of the courts are closed. They're lined up to sue school districts, small business, big business, any business that reopens, or any school that reopens, or college. If anybody gets the virus, 
these bloodsuckers are going to come in and sue. And that's going to cost the people, the consumers, the businesses, trillions of dollars unless you stop that. And Congress, there is uh, McConnell is saying, look, we can't have a reopening of the nation if the blood-sucking extortionist lawyers are going to sue everybody who reopens. Because they don't have to prove somebody got corona. They just have to accuse. And then it goes into the system and costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to litigate. And Pelosi and Schumer, oh, no, no, no. Why? Because the lawyer lobby gives the Democratic Party hundreds of millions of dollars. That's why. And do you think most Americans know this? They don't know it. And this is in play right this second. The battle over reopening and reopening the country safely, Bill O'Reilly. I mean, I know you saw this poor lady in Dallas, uh, the salon owner, and, you know, a judge saying, well, you must apologize. You you better apologize or I'm sending you to jail. Uh, You owe an apology to elected uh, officials uh, who you disrespected by flagrantly ignoring and in one case defiling their orders. Okay, but the lady said... Feeding my kids is not selfish. Let me play it for you. I would like to say that I have much respect for this court and laws and that I've never been been in this position before. And it's not some place that I want to be. But I have to disagree with you, sir, when I when you say that I'm selfish, because feeding my kids is not selfish. I have hairstylists that are going hungry because they'd rather feed their kids. So, sir, if you think the law is more important than kids getting fed, then please go ahead with your decision. But I am not going to shut the salon. You know what this reminded me of? Braveheart went just before the Mel Gibson character got his head chopped off. The prisoner wishes to speak a word and he yells out freedom. She yelled out freedom. Well, the judge makes a mistake when he says the proper way to go about this would be to get a lawyer and then litigate it because the woman's not going to be able to feed her kids uh, because it'll take three years to litigate that. What that lady did was civil disobedience. Yep. That's what she did. All right. Now, the judge absolutely has to say to her, look, we can't have everybody making individual decisions because that's anarchy. The uh, law is in Dallas that you don't open. You defy the law. However, you are being civilly disobedient, and we respect that. And we always have in this country. The Boston Tea Party was civil disobedience. They're heroes. So that's what he should have done. I understand that the, the lady in Dallas needs a feed. She's probably desperate. But you've got to have some kind of order in a public safety disaster like we're facing. All right, BillOReilly.com, all things O'Reilly, all things simple man. 800-941-SEAN, a toll-free telephone number. Bill's final thoughts when we get back. Project Veritas uh, exposing more fake news at the bottom of the hour. All right, final moments, BillOReilly.com. Uh, Mr. O'Reilly, sir, uh, great to have you on, by the way. Thank you. How does this play out in 181 days? I ask you the same last question every week. You know, I'd like to see President Trump show a little bit more leadership here. Um, uh, For example, on the uh, stockpiling of uh, masks and ventilators, uh, he's he's blaming the Obama administration. Okay, 
Um, but the way to do that is not to say, well, Obama did that. He didn't stockpile anything, which is absolutely true. The way to do that is to look into the camera and say, listen, um, no administration stockpiles because we as a country owe $25 trillion and we can't afford to stockpile anything. And we don't. And I'm sorry, but we did a fantastic job in two months getting up to speed in what we needed. And I'm doing the best I can for you to try to defeat this pandemic. Those kinds of very simple, again, simple man, very simple statements. And as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, I'd like to see him get the professional sports up and running. He needs to get some niche issues and really go to town and succeed in making good things happen while we wait for the vaccine. That's what he needs to do to get reelected. Got to get the country open, Bill. And you got and, and do it safely. And there's ways to do it. We've learned a lot and we're going to learn more. Uh, all right. Bill O'Reilly, BillOReilly.com. Uh, all things simple, man. Thanks for being with us. When we come back, James O'Keefe exposing more fake news. Uh, this latest video will explain coming up next. All right. 25 now till the top of the hour. 800 941 Sean, you want to be a part of the program? Well, uh, he's back, and that would be James O'Keefe, Project Veritas. Well, he never goes anywhere anyway. But So we have now the latest in what is a series of exposing the corrupt fake news industry, and he has a report out today about CBS News literally using medical professionals from Cherry Medical Center in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and getting them to line up in their vehicles so a CBS film crew would have a long line for their COVID-19 coverage. In other words, they're staging the event, is what he's saying. Uh, He quotes one nurse, registered nurse, we could have done other stuff, she complained. Apparently, the news crew wanted more people in line, said a Cherry Health supervisor. We pretended there were a couple of real patients, which made it worse. Anyway, so in other words, pulling medical professionals off the floor at a hospital in Grand Rapids to line up in their vehicles so that they can be part of a film news crew uh, that they would have showing that they had a long line for their COVID-19 coverage when they didn't. Quote, our insider witnessed the whole thing, came to Project Veritas because he knew we would protect him. Quoting James O'Keefe. The insider told us medical personnel were taken away from treating patients and making the line longer for actual patients that were waiting for their COVID-19 test. Uh, Anyway, so let me play some of the audio of all of this. Uh, It's kind of breathtaking, but these things do happen, unfortunately. Uh, Let me play some of the highlights of of what they caught with Project uh, Veritas. You're telling me you're 100 percent certain that CBS News, CBS News Corporation, National, staged a fake event. They faked the news. They faked the reality and broadcasted that to all of their audience last Friday on CBS This Morning. 100%, absolutely. Apparently, the news crew wanted more people in the line because they knew it was good. Well, we knew they, they were coming. We had no clue that we were going to have to, like, do face patients? Did she tell you guys, like, hey, you're not actually getting tested? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, she did. She just, just, just to make it look easy. Her being new is because they were right there. That's crazy. Well, I didn't see you guys do the swab at all. I just saw you talking to them. And then I was talking to we the other girl
When this event occurred, where did you work? Uh, I worked at Sherry Health. Sherry Health is? It's a medical facility. Um, it's Sherry Health Heart of the City is the full name of it. Um, and when I came into work that day, uh, the news crew was there. I was kind of asking around what happened. Um, and they were just letting me know that there was news there for the testing. What did you see happen that, uh, that you're claiming is, is fake, fake news about this? Well, um, when I was over there and the, the line was coming through, um, a lot of them were just kind of driving up and not really getting tested at all. Um, they were just talking with the testers. So I, I was asking what, you know, what's going on with the tests. And that's when they told me that, you know, majority of the line is, is from employees um, at Cherry Health. Um, so, yeah. The people in the line were, were not people being tested, but they were employees pretending to be patients? Correct, yep. Why would they do that? Um, I think it's a little bit of a benefit for both parties. Um, I do know Cherry Health is struggling a little bit financially. Um, they're a nonprofit, so they get a lot of their money from donors or um, grants. Um, so it just makes them look productive. And then on the side of the news, um, you know, they, they want to make the line appear bigger than it is just, just for their reporting purposes to show that, you know, this is a big deal. Um, that people are getting tested in massive numbers. So they were they were they were st almost staging a a fake fake news event. Is that what you're telling me? Correct. Yes. Apparently, the news crew wanted more people in the line because they knew it was scheduled. So when did you find out on uh, Monday that it was that it wasn't real people, or not real people, but that it was employees? Um, that long ass line that we had. Yeah. And then the, when I went to go grab the, the bag with the test tube in it, that's when they told me, and I was like, figures, because we see the schedule ahead. Oh, so no one told you, like, in advance? It was just kind of like, like you were just like, why is this line so long? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she's looking for volunteers to go out and just drive through the tent. Gotcha. Did she tell you guys, like, hey, you're not actually getting tested? Yeah. 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 She did. She just. Well, just to make it look busy for the news because they were right there. That's crazy. How did you guys feel on Monday, like, with the with the cars? I mean, it's just annoying because we could have done other stuff, you know. Right. But smile and nod. <laughs> yeah. Because when I was talking to you guys that day, it sounded like you guys were a little frustrated, but yeah. And no one, no one told, like, prepped you guys ahead of time? Well, we knew they, they were coming. We had no clue that we were going to have to, like, do face patients. Well, I didn't see you guys do the swab at all. I just saw you talking yeah. with them. And then I was talking with we the other girl. We pretended. There were a couple of real patients, which made it worse. Because then they had to wait longer? Yeah. It was just confusing and like chaos. Yeah. I've never experienced something like that. No. Like crazy. Do you think she did it on her own? Like, it was her idea? I don't know. No, I think it was, you know, like everybody up there. Because, you know, everyone thought there's a bright idea. Right. 
Yeah, because I also have told me that they do stuff like that all the time to make their their brand and image look good because it's a non-profit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like I seen Tosh on the news already. Uh, already, and then she came. She came and she told us when she came. She goes, "Oh, the news are going to be here. You know, make sure you know they get tested." And she told us like what to tell them if they were in a mask to make sure you know as I was talking with uh, Maria, and she was telling me that it was um, Glenda Walker and Jody that were going around getting uh, asking the screeners for volunteers. Oh, really? To come into the line? Yeah, they probably just wanted to look busy. <laughs> it's my guess. Joining us now, uh, he is the founder, the CEO of Project Veritas. Uh, James O'Keefe is with us. So why don't you explain to everybody exactly who we're hearing from um, on these tapes? These are people that work at the hospital that are telling you, yeah, we got pulled off uh, our job, our duty, taking care of patients so we could be part of a staging of fake news to act like a story is bigger and different than what it really is. Hey, Sean. Yes, thank you. Audio a little hard to hear on the radio there, but what this involves, it involves a, a medical clinic in Michigan named Cherry Health Clinic, CBS News National Corporation, the morning show viewed by millions of people. And the workers at the clinic, recorded by one of the people that work at the clinic, are saying that there is a fake COVID testing line, that they had put uh, medical personnel in this line of vehicles to make it look like there were patients for CBS News. And what you just heard were all of the workers at the at the clinic saying that they were, were trying to actually work with real patients and they were being taken away from the patients to stage this thing uh, for CBS National News. This is an, an unbelievable story, Sean. It has already generated a reaction from CBS. I spoke with the president, in fact. Funny enough that the president of CBS News would talk to me, but she did last night, and she, they gave us a statement. Uh, they seem, Sean, to be throwing the hospital under the bus. This is CBS News. And they, they have taken down their broadcast as of this morning. And they have said that they're, they're removing the, the piece because they, uh, they quote, take the accuracy of our reporting very seriously, unquote. And they've taken down this piece. And, well, to be uh, honest, kind of you know, James, I mean, that's a lot more than you other at other times that you get from them. People just go into full and complete denial mode. Uh, like in the last case, when you got the Bernie Sanders people, you know, uh, they just absolutely ignored your reporting and you had them dead to rights. I think we have them even more dead to rights in this uh, case, Sean, because they, the insider that works in this clinic, who is still employed by the clinic, recorded all of these nurses. I mean, these nurses were, were, were saying things that were, were very disturbing, you know, that they were, that they were having to create fake patients. So it's, it's undeniable, uh, and uh, the, the hospital, the CEO of the hospital, a woman whose uh, name is Tasha Blackman uh, is. Uh, we got also a response from them, and they are claiming uh, that uh, initially they claimed that this didn't even happen, and now they're kind of caught. So it's kind of a developing story. We look to hear from the governor of Michigan, who's all over the TV stations these days. We'd love to hear her thoughts on the matter, and I've also reached out to 
uh, Diaz, the local reporter. So this is kind of a developing story here and an example, Sean, of legitimate fake news. If we can't trust CBS and ABC and these powers that be to tell us what's going on in this crisis, I mean, where are we? CBS News told us at least one, but they, but there was more than one fake patient in that line. So CBS has confirmed that this is a fake news story, and we're looking to hold someone accountable over this. Well, I mean, pulling people in the middle of a pandemic away from their job, healthcare professionals, uh, that's that's bad enough. Do we know at what level it happened? For example, was it just a local producer? Was it, you know, one of their top producers? Who made this call? That's a good question. Um, according to the CEO of the hospital, we're, we're literally, Sean, giving these statements as I'm talking to you, so I'm reading from my emails, that the, the hospital saying that, some of the folks at the hospital wanted to make things look busy. They wanted to make the hospital anxious to show CBS that they were busier than they actually were, and it's unclear about what CBS News' involvement was, although according to the insider and according to the recorded statements and these nurses and these workers at the hospital... Well, they're being very clear that they were pulled out of their jobs and told to do this. Correct. So we have a contradiction between what CBS News is saying and what the hospital is saying. Somebody is lying, which that's why we do what we do at Project Veritas. That's why we use hidden cameras and, and to get to the truth, because this is a, this is a really important thing. That you, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be pulling doctors away from patients just to create a fake news broadcast. All right, uh, James O'Keefe, Project Veritas. Uh, we link to it on Hannity.com, ProjectVeritas.com, I believe is the uh, website. Uh, any more coming? Is this a series or is this a one and done? You d- you never know yeah, we, with James O'Keefe. Yeah, we, it's like a, the price of liberty is eternal vigilance sort of thing. We had 100 insiders come to us after we released this one. But to answer your question about this particular story, I, I am getting sent to me statements as I'm on the phone with you because they're kind of caught with their with their pants down. So I, I'm sure there'll be more shoes to drop, and, and I don't know if someone's going to lose their job over this. I, I don't know what, 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 what executive at CBS knew about this, maybe the executive producer, but more to come, Sean, and we're posting about that imminently. And uh, Linda's going to pass on to you uh, Hannity idea, okay? Thanks, James Very O'Keefe. Good. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, All right, let's get to our busy telephones here as we say hi to uh, Joe and Ella J. Joe, it's been forever. How are you? I've known Joe. Now going back to my Atlanta days as long as, what, 1996, Joe. We're getting old, Joe. It's uh, 24 years ago. Sean, you're great. We love your show. I want to buy your book for myself and my three children. And I just want to say how much we and Ella J and all the people there appreciate you for the great job you do for supporting President Trump. And what a great guy you are. I've got a leadership class at Pooh's Barbecue, and someday I'd love for you to come down and speak to him. But you're a hero in Georgia. Uh, we thanks, love you. Joe. We appreciate you. God bless you, Sean Hannity. God bless you, Joe and Ella J. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity.com, by the way, if you're looking for a great gift for mom, yes, you have the special bound edition, commemorative edition, first edition of Live Free or Die, America and the World on the Brink, a great gift certificate for mom, delivered the first week. Governor Greg Abbott, that salon owner put in jail's boyfriend, Senator Lindsey Graham, Dennis Miller tonight, 9 Eastern, set your DVR. We'll see you tonight, back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. Hannity.com, all things Hannity.